Before we get started with today's episode, I just have to say, as a disclaimer, I am not a professional and none of what I say on my podcast or on any other platform is any type of advice. I, Liam Scully, and my brand, Some of Life, are not a substitute for diagnosing, treating, or forgiving medical slash mental health or life advice. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your condition. And lastly, I just got to say, everything said in this podcast and on all my platforms is just my opinion and solely my opinion. So let's get started. You feel me? They'd have never been about that. No. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumb for having listened to you. You should know it extracts a terrible price. I am prepared. We all think that at first. I am prepared. I must say, damn good stuff, sir. There's going to be some shaky palms, some sway ones as well, to be honest with you. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. Hey guys, just wanted to do this intro before we get into today's episode. I actually recorded this episode about three months ago, and this is the longest stretch I've gone without uploading an episode. And I've been meaning to upload this for a while now. It's just I've been so busy. I just started grad school about a month and a half ago for clinical mental health counseling, and my schedule has just been far busier than it was before starting school. Everything in here was recorded in July, I think, of uh, this past summer of 2022. But C-Rod and I are talking about doing another episode because, as I said in my intro right after this, that we were really all over the place. We were just hitting on basically everything that we could in terms of thinking about Instagram therapy, but there was so much more that we needed to talk about. So there probably will be another episode very soon. C-Rod and I have been talking about doing another one, like I said. But yeah, I just really wanted to say that before we get into this episode today. And also that I hope to do a couple of solo podcasts in the near future on different topics. But I'm definitely most active on my Instagram at Some of Life Official. If you're not following me there already, that's where I kind of critique most of the accounts. But as C Rudd and I both know now, these accounts are bleeding into every social media platform. It's all over Twitter now. But yeah, I I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. It was a really fun conversation and definitely one of my longest, if not my longest episode on this podcast. So hope you guys enjoy. Now we're going into the intro that I recorded two to three months ago. Hello and welcome to the Sum of Life podcast. I'm your host, Liam Scully. In today's episode, we had Sirak K. Chala on to discuss Instagram therapy, and also this was her right to reply because our last episode, we reviewed her account, and this is by far the longest episode we've ever done. My fingers are so dead <laughs> from editing this entire podcast, but it was so worth it because we covered so much about Instagram therapy, and it was kind of all over the map, but... I really enjoyed the topics that we talked about, even though we were going all over the place, kind of. But I just have to say also that there was an audio problem where I thought that my mic and Joey's mic were recording separately, but it turns out that it wasn't. And the only audio we actually have from this podcast was the Zoom recorded audio that we actually just record as backup audio in case something like this happens. So I'm kind of disappointed because my voice sounds kind of muffled. 
but with some fine tuning and some editing by yours truly, we were able to make it sound a little bit better. And also there's a couple things I just wanted to say before we actually jump into the interview. We discussed a little bit about victimhood and being a victim. And I just want to say that I think there's two sides to this and also something in the middle around it, which is kind of where I land. I'm not sure I really enjoy both sides of of people that label themselves as victims when they actually can do things and make their life better. And I also don't like the other side either that just victim blames people and saying that something was their fault when maybe it really wasn't. And I just want to say that I think Sira put it best when she said this on her Instagram page, which as of now is the most recent post that she has. And her quote was, being impacted by what happened to you isn't victimhood. It's human. Making an identity out of it is victimhood. And I think that pretty much sums it up. Because it's weird that when you go against the narrative around mental health, it kind of makes you feel like you're doing something wrong almost because mental health is such a touchy topic and for good reason, like I've said in the past before. But also we should be trying to refine different ideas around mental health. At least that's what I think. And that's basically what we were just discussing here is that I really think we're actually trying to speak for the actual victims of mental health disorders while also trying to speak out against Instagram therapy accounts that coddle people and try to make their followers attach victimhood and mental health disorders to their identity, which I don't think is healthy and I don't think that's how we get better. But yeah, that's pretty much it. All of C-Rut's information, her Instagram, website will all be in the description below. And also all the information about this podcast is in the description below. Our Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, all of that. So thank you guys for listening. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you guys do as well. And I'll see you guys next time. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sum of Life podcast. I'm your host, Liam Scully, joined again with my co-host, Joey, and we have a special guest today. Sirat is doing her right to reply and talking with us about Instagram therapy. Sirat, thank you so much for coming on today. If you uh, want to introduce yourself, that'd be great. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, I'm a therapist. I live and work in London. And um, I'm not sure if there's anything else to say about my my bio is basically one line. I'm a therapist. I see people. I do therapy. And I guess I'm, you know, one of the therapists that's part of this Insta therapy thing. You know, this niche on Instagram where like, thousands and thousands of therapists have come, sort of hordes of therapists have, have joined social media. And yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan. And I guess that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess first, was there anything in our episode? Yes, Leo. Yeah, want- there was. <laughs> yeah, that- <laughs> first of all, yeah. you dissed my tiger. <laughs> How dare yeah, you? very sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, the tiger's a whole thing. Like, first of all, it's not like there's a meaning, kind of, but also it's just I just like tigers. Mm. <laughs> so there's a tiger, a tiger on every post, and it's kind of like a nod to the fact that I'm a reformed hooligan. So I was like a bit wild, and you know, I've, I've PTSD, so I used to be very unwell with that. And in that time, I I guess I was just a certain way. And through getting help and through looking after myself, I kind of think of myself as in some ways a reformed hooligan. So the tiger's kind of a nod to that that part of me. And um, I just like tigers. And there's a whole lot. I'll do an article on it on Substack on the tiger. And then I'll send the tiger to come and get you for (laughs) (laughs) dissing him. Yeah, I feel like if I ever see one out in the wild now, they'll just know. They'll know. know. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I've told the tigers. (laughs) 
it's not good for me in a monthly good. meeting you came up yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's not good <laughs> aside from the tiger and the the uh, posts themselves. Uh, was there anything else in that episode that you wanted to talk about? Um, I think everything. I mean, you guys were very, very kind to me. So I'm not sure there's anything I want to. I'm not going to like say, no, that compliment wasn't accurate. I probably won't <laughs> do that. But um, in terms of kind of, I think when you talked about normal fluctuations in mental health, that's something I talked about a lot. But I think I'd kind of moved away from that more into attacking. Yeah, I think attacking is a fair word. Attacking just bad ideas of... I think enabling victimhood and coddling, that was kind of the phase I've been going through for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but those posts are further back, so you know, it makes sense you didn't see them. So something I always think about is the idea of attacking the problems versus promoting solutions. Do That's you think a really, really good point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think you're focusing strictly on problems right now? Do you think you need to balance it more with promoting the good ideas? Yeah, I think um, I think that's a really, really fair criticism. And it's also a reason why I've been off social media for nearly two weeks now. I kind of, um, there's so much um, about this that I could say, but I just kind of had a moment where I thought I've been doing this whole compulsive daily posting thing. And there was one day where I just thought, why? Why am I doing this? Why am I saying these things? Do I really mean this as strongly as I'm saying it? There was something about that that felt really important to go away and think about it. And what I've kind of at the moment settled on is I want to talk about these things, not as sound bites, not do this kind of daily grind of clickbaity stuff and actually write, flesh these ideas out properly and then use Instagram more to kind of point people to the actual article. I think uh, I, I haven't I haven't worked it out yet completely. I'm still kind of working out what how I want to use social media going forward because I don't I don't think it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of there's so like I thought, you know, I thought I was starting to have some mental health difficulties. Five, not even five days off social media, they all vanished, all of them. And my concentration is clearer. I had I wrote this whole article, which is, you know, fairly, I mean, it was much bigger, starting to look like a thesis. I really had to whittle it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much about social media I don't like, like mining our you know, intellect and creativity for other people's consumption. I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think it's good the where sort of there's something about your feed where you're, you're and it's called a feed for a reason. You're being fed these disparate ideas. Mm-hmm. And you look at one, then you look at another and they're completely disjointed. You're not digesting anything. And it's almost like emotional and mental indigestion. You know, it's very disorienting. And like vi- there's send the sensory overload, the colors and videos are playing without you pressing play on them Mm -hmm. and kind of the whole like clout chasing thing where you and every no one's immune if they say they're immune they're lying and you end up doing this thing where right this performed well so let me recreate this that might not really be what you want to actually say in that moment I just want to want to extricate myself from that um if I say you know I think it was Marcus Aurelius who said something like when you speak it should you should only speak if it's better than silence and I'm kind of starting to crave a bit of silence and only speaking when there's something of value, not just verbal diarrhea every day because the algorithm wants it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a very long-winded way to answer your question and basically say, yeah, I agree with you and I haven't worked it, worked it out yet. 
I was just going to say, I mean, the I think the information overload is really a big problem because you see these accounts posting every single day. And actually some, I'm just going to name it. I don't even care. Like the Real Depression Project is posting two times a day now, or at mm-hmm. least the last time we checked them, mm-hmm. um, like 12 hours apart or something. And like how much information on mental health do you really need to feed Instagram followers? Yeah, uh, I just think it's it's so much like there's only so many posts that you can make about seven signs for anxiety like you go through these accounts they have like a hundred posts about seven signs of anxiety it just yeah, uh, yeah kind of blows my mind that's what it is there's only so much you can say so then in order to keep getting um the attention and build their pages they kind of ratchet it up so from you know they they kind of make it like should mental health information be clickbaity like that's something to think about mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's worrying and then you have all these people who especially in the west i think that this idea is really fed into you that you have to think about your feelings above everything else and really spend all your time you know pouring over your every mood shift and like this the utter self-fascination and it's sort of really enabling that and it's not useful i think that actually makes you well it it encourages rumination doesn't it so basically Mm. what insta therapy is doing is encouraging rumination and encouraging like sort of an obsession with your self, your thoughts, your feelings. And there's a whole world past the end of your nose that you're not engaging with. And what's the what's the point of all this? Like creating a lifestyle out of healing. Isn't the fucking point of healing so that you're better and you can live a life? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you can like move on from it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think we talked about that actually in the episode that uh, we did with your account is that are these like accounts making themselves obsolete? Uh, Joey brought that point up. I, I said, I thought that that was one of the best points that we made on the podcast because like a therapist's job is to make themselves obsolete yeah. when seeing someone. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like these accounts are doing that. And I think that's the best yeah. way to describe it with um, uh, encouraging rumination because you could type in Google seven signs of anxiety and that will encourage rumination on mm-hmm. trying to diagnose yourself with anxiety. therapy is the web MD of, of <laughs> mental health, basically. <laughs> exactly. You know, like we all know you're not meant to Google your symptoms. Mm-hmm. And we all know that whatever you Google, the internet's going to say you've got cancer and you're about to die. Instatherapy does the same thing, except it's trauma and instead of cancer and you're going to die. So, you know, buy my book and buy my program and follow me. <laughs> but it's exactly. worse. It's worse because it's way easier to suffer from a mental health problem than it is to just get a physical illness. Mm-hmm. It's like you can think yourself into like paranoia or think yourself into like all these feelings and ways that you don't want to feel, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, you can. You absolutely can. And especially if you're kind of already prone, because it's going to it's going to self-select for a certain personality typology, isn't it? People mm-hmm. who are who are well and happy and not self-fascinated aren't going to be aren't going to be following 50 Insta therapy accounts. It's people who are predisposed to that who do. Mm-hmm. And is doing them a really grave disservice, and they're being used as they're used like as, as I said this in the article, they're used as an instrument for people to to get rich and famous. Yeah, I mean um, those hundred sixteen dollars sweatshirts out there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I've ever really paid that much for a sweatshirt else. ever. <laughs> I don't. I My was saying that too. Like Twenty pounds. They're yeah, like, I don't. Yeah. I don't think I've ever paid more than maybe forty or fifty dollars for a sweatshirt, which you know I I talked about in like a solo podcast. I just believe that the the donations are kind of like it's like armor 
customer almost for saying that they're doing something good, but really they're still selling you like they're still making $99 on a sweatshirt, even if they're mm-hmm. donating 15%. And, you know, I just, yeah. They've probably factored that in, right? That's why yeah. the sweatshirt mm-hmm. costs that much. It's a, it's a, this is the US, it's a marketing thing again, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like, I, I don't know. I've not looked into them really, but are they um, transparent about who they're donating the money to? I think we read on... Didn't we read that on our episode who they were doing? It was like uh, Namie. Yeah, uh, I don't remember the account, but you could find it on their Instagram. Okay. And it said yeah. what the charity was. But the uh, the donation percentage, yeah, like $116, 15 from, 15% from 116 is 99. So, I mean, it's like, it, does, it makes sense. Mm. And, and like, it's a good thing that they're donating. Like they've donated over, I think when we checked like $100,000, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but to me, so many of these accounts are using mental health as a trend and yeah. as a fad and taking yeah. advantage of those people that are just looking to buy anything to make themselves feel better um, yes. to sell things. Uh, that's at least my opinion. But Well, after you told me about that page, I had a quick look at it and it does present itself as a mental health page, doesn't it? And it's almost incidental that it's selling these sweatshirts. And what I don't like about that is that it's not any, that's not what it is. It's an apparel company that's using mental health as a marketing strategy and making these sort of, what kind of, I mean, I don't know, it's not my bag, but the, the posts are sort of like a child drew them and then, you know, mm-hmm. journaling, like it, it's very, again, I just, I just think it's really dystopian. I think Insta therapy is just a very dystopian thing. If you think about um, if it didn't exist and you had to imagine the most dystopian thing that could happen to therapy, it would be therapists trying to get famous and commodifying therapy and mental health into these little memes, sticking them on the internet and keeping people on social media, which is, you know, frankly, a risk factor for mental health difficulties being on social media all the time. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I just wanted to mention uh, quickly, uh, unless you had anything you want to say, Joey. The other part of my checklist that maybe not a lot of people uh, might understand is that the labeling with or identifying with a mental illness, which Mm -hmm. I think comes from these types of posts that, um, especially the ones that make you uh, diagnose yourself Mm. those signs like some of those signs uh, like you might have anxiety if uh, whatever I'll just make one up like you get nervous in like a public setting or something or you're like you know you're getting nervous with there five people around you Mm -hmm. I think that uh, or viewing life through the lens of a mental illness um, is like every time the next time you're in a situation and you're kind of nervous with like five people around you you're like oh my god this is anxiety again mm-hmm. whether it is or not that is mm-hmm. like the the identifying and viewing life through the lens of a mental illness which at some point as like we've kind of discussed you would want to get over that like that's something that you want to like the whole point like you said of being healed is to get past that and it's just that stuff like never comes from these types of posts mm-hmm. it's always just a labeling identifying it keeps you as like a victim yeah you know? Yeah. And it doesn't ever, um, you know, like, I, I think it's really, really important what you've identified that viewing world, the world through the, the lens of a mental illness. I think that's actually a really important thing. So well done for like nailing that. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and We'll take all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, like things like getting nervous before public speaking. That's completely fucking normal. Everyone, you always will. Most of mm-hmm. us always will, right? Um, mm-hmm. Isn't it quite like common knowledge? There's they they did some study, and most people are more afraid of public speaking than of dying. Yeah. Um, so you know, that's completely normal. <laughs> when you um, put it that way, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And you're going to identify with everything because all of these, including symptoms, are somewhere on the spectrum of normal, like normal human emotions or human behavior. So everything will resonate. And if you're if you're looking at these things from the what's wrong with me, what's wrong with me, I need to find some relief, I need to work this out. Everything that slightly resonates, you're going to internalize and think that's something that's wrong with me. And it, you know, they almost never talk about how like the relationship content. You're not going to be fucking excited about your relationship, your partner all the time. That's mm-hmm. normal. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to go through normal ebbs and flows and like be fucking sick of the sight of them some days and then like really like them other, like, completely normal. Same with friends. Like nobody had a ideal childhood. You're not the only fucking special one. That doesn't mean it's trauma. Trauma is a very specific thing. There's so much there that's just like they, they've commodified, they've turned the human experience into this thing called trauma that everybody has and commodified it mm-hmm. and created an, create an industry and robbed people with PTSD of the only language they have for you know describing their experience or making sense of their experience. So if you identify with a post, the, the, the medical student syndrome thing, you know, all medical students and, and people studying psychology, when you first start reading diagnostic criteria, you think you have everything. And that's, again, it's a completely normal thing human beings do. But now what we're doing is unleashing this upon the world when I first looked at the DSM I thought I had five different disorders and <laughs> you it's only it's only kind of when you, you oh I'm gonna jumping across different things I'm thinking so much yeah there is time. a time to <laughs> like to it's like <laughs> yeah it's like when like like reading research not everybody can can read research and actually know how to interpret it it's just like like physical ailments you can read about four or five different symptoms online and you won't have the the depth of knowledge and the kind of years of experience that it takes to interpret those symptoms and your context and have some kind of idea of etiology but we just throw them throw these things at people and say if you identify with these four or five symptoms this is what you have and then there are people that mix in some absurd spiritual ideas like if you have symptoms of depression it's actually not depression it's your soul and you know talk about confusing people and making them completely (laughs) you know like there's nothing you can kind of hang your hat on because there's nothing concrete at all Mm. i feel like there is a lot you know as we're all talking like, <laughs> yes. there are so many thoughts so many things. Yeah. i kind of yeah. want to take it back a little bit mm. i feel like whether intentionally or not it seems like these accounts are promoting this idea that you should feel good all of the time yeah and if that they you're are. feeling if you're feeling some some bad i don't even want to use the word negative but whatever like a negative experience a negative mm. feeling something that you'd rather avoid that that means there's a problem and that maybe you're a victim to this to this disorder to this other thing going on, like you're a victim to this. And something me and Liam have talked about a lot in in the past is that it's just the range of being a human being. Like you're going to go through good, you're going to go through bad, you're going to go through everything in between. It's about how you deal with it. And I think these accounts are promoting this idea that if you're going through the bad side of the human experience, that you're a victim and that there's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. Whereas, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like what we should be saying is that you have to take responsibility over your life. And it's just part of being human. Well, it's sort of, it's a few different things. Like if you really are suffering and you've been suffering for quite a long time and it's impacting your functioning, then you need to go and help get help and not look at Instagram. Instagram is not a mental health service. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get any help there. You're just going to get predatory people who are trying to sell you some shit um and 
you know, yeah, you do need to take responsibility of yourself. And it's time for like adulthood is a really wonderful time to grow up. And we've mm-hmm. we've like completely there's like a war on this idea that that people should um take responsibility for themselves and their and their emotions and things that are going on for you. And imagine if everyone did that, that would be something close to systemic change, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. And also that give yourself a bit of a fucking break like you're you're a human being you're not going to be this idea that you have to be happy all the time is you know antagonistic to everything we know from ev- from evolutionary um psychology from neuroscience mm-hmm. and even from like understanding the nervous system you're not wired to be happy you're wired to survive so you know of course you're not going to and and no one is happy all the time when this isn't like heaven yeah, you <laughs> like you're not you're not going to be happy all the time that's actually completely okay completely yeah, that might okay. be a, a mental health disorder in and of itself if you're happy all the time to be honest <laughs> i think there was an episode in um you might be too young for this you guys but ali mcbeal there was an episode in ali mcbeal of this guy who was really crotchety and horrible and and suddenly overnight his personality changed and he was really really happy and it's because he had a brain tumor oh my gosh <laughs> yeah i've heard stories like that where i think some guy was working on a railroad uh, and he had something like lodged through his head and mm-hmm. his yeah. whole personality changed i don't know if that story is accurate at all but no, it is. i feel like i've heard that before but that's interesting i like what you said like this isn't heaven yeah <laughs> that makes it so that just paints such a clear picture like this isn't heaven things aren't perfect no even have you seen the dsm has now created grief disorder like are you high this is not yeah. a disorder um like you know even people sometimes come to see me and I've, I've got depression okay well tell me more about don't use something i do with clients all the time is imagine if you didn't know the word depression or anxiety or mm-hmm. anxious or whatever then and you had to describe what's going on for you because invariably completely unrelated to the label they think it is mm-hmm. um it's completely appropriate to be depressed if someone you love has died it's completely appropriate to be de- to be to be depressed if um you're going through you know you're locked indoors because there's a pandemic or because you've lost a job or a relationship ended none of this is pathology and we pathologize the normal human experience Mm-hmm. in a really really unhelpful way and we're making people think of um you know when you think about instagram comparison something that's talked about a lot is that you know you look at really beautiful people and you kind of feel less because you're looking on instagram mm-hmm. it's the same thing but on a psychological level you 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 feel less than because you think these people and a lot of these these instagram therapy accounts do this they present themselves as healed i healed myself i've worked it all out i've cracked the code you know like follow <laughs> me and, uh, and of course they have haven't mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's like it's so easy to think everybody else is is doing so well and you're mm-hmm. the only one going through whatever you're going through and yeah. i think that also can make you really relate to people though because you're not at, everybody kind of thinks that way everybody mm-hmm. thinks everybody else has it all figured out you're the only one going through what you're going through yeah and um that sometimes is used as a marketing strategy as well people who like commodify their trauma which was not trauma at all they commodify their trauma and they put that um i actually read this somewhere it was a it was a sales tactic where you tell people about yourself so that you seem more authentic and mm-hmm. then they buy from you so there's so much sort of like or oh, i've made these freebies to teach you these 
things and I'm doing it for free because I'm such a nice person. They're not, they're, they're, they're building up their email list. They do a lot of things that the normal, the ordinary consumer of mental health content wouldn't be aware of. I'm going to write an article on all the predatory marketing practices so people know. Yeah, we know about uh, some sales funnels on Instagram. They uh, <laughs> tell you everything yeah. that you have, all your problems. And then what do you know? The last slide is a book by, yeah. by them. Yeah. Uh, and so the other thing too, I think we talked a little bit about this earlier, but sometimes it can seem like when, you know, because we kind of do it too, like debunking these accounts or whatever, is that it seems like we're just bashing them. And maybe it seems that we're like trivially, trivial, I can't even say the word trivializing. Yeah. Trivializing uh, mental health disorders and illnesses. And I think it's so far from that. I just, think that the narrative around mental health in terms of Instagram is pretty poor. Uh, And it actually makes me very upset because people have legitimate problems. And I think there is probably some type of mental health crisis with, I think, you know, there's various reasons why I think social media is one of the big culprits of it. But yeah, it just, it makes me so upset that there are people that have like legitimate issues and that it's like just being talked about in in the way that these Instagram therapy accounts are talking about it. It's like, they're the ones trivializing it almost, but. They are, they are trivializing it. And they're also never actually talking about mental health ever. Like what they talk about is, oh, you know, I had this this upsetting thing happened to me and this is how I regulated and I'm going to teach you. And in my bio is the link to my regulation guide and um, or like a lot of coddling and soothing statements, mm-hmm. um, you know, or really the weirdest one telling telling people they don't know how much they love them. <laughs> the kind of a lot of it is, you know, North American social justice kind of stuff or it's um, I call it therapy culture. I think we live in a therapy culture where it's all the, you've been gaslighted and are you triggered? And this is how you get over being triggered. Like it's not (laughs) actually ever related to real mental health. You know, Mm -hmm, what it actually means to be mentally ill and how difficult that is and how much people actually struggle and the realities of, of, of what that looks like. It's completely aimed and targeted at people who have these emotional difficulties that are often related to coddling Mm -hmm. and are very, very sort of self, very focused on the self. And it hooks them in because it's another way to focus on yourself. I think it's, and I think the people who make the content have a similar underlying psychological process combined with this need to, I don't know, be famous or something. Mm -hmm. I think a a big part of this is really that fame is now available to therapists and that's why there's so many of them online and so many of them saying things that are just like you never learned this in any training school the stuff you're saying you haven't read this in a book you've made this up yeah like you know yeah a lot of people who pretend they've discovered something or worked something out when actually they've just they just made it up (laughs) Sirat, i'm curious how like your journey and becoming getting interested in you know becoming a therapist yeah. And your training and then how how you got to this point of that this is what you're passionate about now. Well, to start with, it was the stereotype of something was wrong with me and I wanted to understand what it was. So I have PTSD and I went through, I didn't grow up in this country. I grew up in India and there was a whole, yeah, just anyway, of actual PTSD mm-hmm. <laughs> because actually traumatic things happened to me. And I started doing, so I had therapy on and off for quite a long time. And I thought this is actually something I'd like to do. I'd like to help people like me and I started going to um, like community college courses uh, after work and yeah started training became a therapist and I was working in the NHS and I 
knew I wanted to move to private practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did this marketing course on how to market your private practice. And one of the things in that was social media. And the guy who was running the course kept talking about social media. And I thought, you can just get fucked. I'm not going on social media. Because <laughs> I was the person that like had Facebook and never like open it once a month maybe and sometimes I'd go on Instagram I'd never post anything actually I just wasn't a very didn't like social media I wasn't a very social media person and then anyway I thought let me let me give this a go and see you know and I kind of felt like the reason the fact that I hated it so much made me think well maybe this is something I need to you know it was like exposure therapy almost Mm-hmm. And then I got on there and then slowly people started gathering and started liking what um, I was saying. And then I think I got bit by the clout bug kind of. And for a while it was like very much about how can I grow my page? And I was really, it wasn't so much about external clout, but it, for me, it felt almost like a video game. Like I'm on the next level up and I've mm-hmm. got these many more likes and now my page is this much bigger and I leveled up again. And, and yeah, and then you do kind of, and then you get sucked into this like weird vortex of influencers and people who are just like they're just really weird they present themselves in one way and something completely different behind the scenes when you interact with them they're not at all what you think they're going to be like it's so weird a lot of yeah yeah, a lot of (laughs) anti-social behavior people like just plagiarize your ideas like they like it's a buffet they can help themselves from and um (laughs) just a lot of weird stuff and I started kind of, uh, you know, I'm a therapist. I pay attention to what's happening. That's kind of my whole thing. And I was just looking around thinking, this is fucked. This is all fucked. And then I started kind of examining that a bit more. And I felt really uncomfortable with continuing making the post that I'd made before, which was trauma related stuff or whatever. And I just I just knew I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to contribute to this kind of conveyor belt of this is wrong with you and how to heal from this. And I started kind of it, was, it became a bit more meta. And I think that's where how I landed where I am now. Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, story. And like, I feel like part of the same reason I'm going into the field is because um, I wasn't sure like if I wanted to really be like a clinician or a therapist, Mm -hmm. but um, just to go to school, learn more about mental health and actually get like a proper education. Part of the reason is because I just want, you know, I think there's something so wrong with the way mental health is being discussed. Like I think Ian said in our podcast, something about that we've like broken the stigma so much Mm. that um, I forget what his... um, Now there's glorification, right? And um, fetishization. Yes, exactly. Yeah. People romanticizing over mental illnesses and mental health disorders and just mental health itself. It's just like such a fad. We're never talking about actual mental health, right? (laughs) It's always about like, it's, it's me, 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 look at me, look at me and my labels, but it's never actually talking about mental health in a real way i think that was like my favorite thing from my our podcast with ian which he runs the power of self-care the parody account I love that page. it's yeah, so funny it's so good yeah it's so funny and like i think my favorite takeaway is he made up a he brought up a point that like it's so unhealthy the way we all think about ourselves now like people are just constantly thinking about themselves yeah. we've never thought about ourselves so much this like this before no and i think it's making us ill i think there's there's so many reasons for that pop one is coddling another is that we live in the safest most prosperous countries not just in all the world but in all of history and we're kind of wired to find challenges and overcome them and 
you know, when human beings aren't, we, we haven't evolved in like utopian settings. We've evolved mm-hmm. in really, really difficult ways. So like we're kind of always striving to find problems. And I think when there are no problems, you you create them almost. And I think there's a lot of that. And I also think too much comfort starts to make people malfunction slightly. Um, Definitely. Yep. I think there's also that because mental health is so trendy that yes. people whether they're anxious or not, like whether they actually have an anxiety disorder or not, because of the way mental health is being talked about, that they might label themselves as anxious just to fit in. Like they'll tell their friends, mm-hmm. like I'm an anxious person. And I think, you know, that's so detrimental for mental health too. Why are why is it cool to label yourself as anxious or as depressed because it's some type of way to fit in with, you know, the current trend or fad. And like, mm. I think that's part of the romanticization of mental health is, you know, yeah, we've mentioned it already, but like just this labeling identification with mental health disorders, whether it's to fit in, I don't and know. I think it's that's, just weird. It's weird, but there's a, there's a reason for it. And that's identity politics. So everybody has to have, you know, it's, it's your, how many identity points do you have? Well, that, Mm-hmm. kind of the bit the way people treat you is entirely based on your labels mm-hmm. so i think people who maybe don't have any any identity points create them create some and this is one way to do it and again it detracts from people who actually have are mentally ill who actually are mm-hmm. suffering and struggling in the in the exact same way the trauma trend takes away from people who actually have been victimized and actually have um, PTSD. This identity label stuff takes away from people who actually have mental health difficulties. See, I, I agree. Like, I feel like we were getting at a larger point and you bring up identity politics. I was thinking of like, just this, this idea of we're always promoting victimhood. Yeah. And we're always saying, you know, blame someone else for your problems or blame, yeah. so- blame someone else for this problem in society. And it's never, you know, look inward. It's yeah. never, t- what is your role in all of this? What can you do? What, what controlled and power do you have? I don't know if you guys have been watching Severance. No. Yeah. You should. It's really, really good. What's it's it kind on? Of, it's on Apple TV. The basic premise is this guy. Um, it's So it's kind of sci-fi. This guy who goes to work at this place where they do confidential, like really confidential work. So the people who work there go through this procedure called severance. And what happens is that th- their personality is severed, which includes their memories and everything. So when you're at work... You have no recollection of who you are outside at all. You're a completely different person. You have completely different memories only of being in work. And when you leave work, you have no idea what happened in that. It's like, like amnesia. And in this, they're reading a book written by this like, you know, self-help guy in, in the show. And he said something like, um, if you feel like something is wrong with you, change the system. And that was one of the one of oh the self help. I know, <laughs> but I think re- I think you guys would really like that show. It's really clever. Yeah, one I of have the few to things look it up now. That, like, because so much TV is just so f- dumb now. This is, this is actually quite clever. Oh, this <laughs> is what it was. I remember the line now. And he said, so he was trying to write a book, and no one wanted to publish him. And he said, and I realized the problem wasn't me; it was the entire field of literature. And <laughs> 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 and it was a parody in the thing as well, but it um it touches on something very real, doesn't it? No, it yeah. does. Like when you say it like that, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> but then how often is that true? Like yeah. how often is that how people act? Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And the truth that the truth lies somewhere in the middle, doesn't it? Like the world mm-hmm. isn't isn't fair. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do? Scream and shout about it for the rest of your life? Or are you gonna find ways to to live in that world and to you know, look after yourself in a way that you can manage and take responsibility for what you do have control over. So isn't that, 
I feel like that's a choice people have to make. Yeah, it it's is. Like, it's like accept things as they are and move forward and play the game with these rules or whatever, or get angry, try to change the whole system. I don't even think you have to play play within the rules in that, in, in that way. You can decide for yourself that, look, the world isn't fair. Mm-hmm. Difficult things are always going to happen. You know, like people are going to die. People get ill. It's, it's just not fair. It's brutal, actually, the world. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be unethical and you don't have to be trample over people to get somewhere. And you also don't have to lie on the floor and wail like a toddler. Mm-hmm. You can actually, you know, like build yourself up so you have some strength to deal with the waves that keep coming mm-hmm. and, 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 and move forward. That's what everyone has done since time immemorial it's only now that we act like i don't know each individual person is owed a pound of flesh for whatever difficulties they've been through yeah it's a strange narcissistic sort of way of looking at the world i was gonna ask that uh i was gonna ask because actually ian recommended this to us when we talked to him on our podcast and i actually read the book uh culture of narcissism have you read that before no it's it uh good? yeah, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, it and one of the things that he talked about in that book, probably like paraphrasing here, because I read it about a month or two ago, but mm-hmm. he said that there's an obsession with uh, young people, and this was written in the 1970s, mm-hmm. uh, of wanting to be, of wanting to always be young and like very scared of becoming old. Mm. And that is just like a hard fact that people mm-hmm. just have to accept. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's going to get older, everyone's going to age, and you're going to look worse like <laughs> 20 years when you're like 20 Thanks, years old. Liam. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> 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 um, but, um, but yeah, and uh, like I actually think there's quite an obsession with that now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I even feel it. I'm, I'm like 24, and I feel like I think about getting older all the time when I'm still 24 years old i shouldn't be thinking about aging all the time um but i think a lot of people i think actually instagram does that a lot with you see all these young models and everything and oh they're always going to look like that or they're always going to look so well or they have to present themselves as always looking like really good Mm -hmm. um that just seems like a culture of narcissism like you just yeah and not being able to accept things like you just can't accept i don't know it's just one of those things that well that's the human condition isn't it like we live our lives constantly grappling with the question of more of our mortality you mm-hmm. and i don't know if you're ever not going to be afraid of that it, what a natural thing to be afraid of yeah. what could be more natural than being afraid of that and that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you again yeah <laughs> it's just like hard it's hard for people to like accept certain things like that and like i think like some people do like obviously people with like mental health disorders uh like actually genuinely need help mm-hmm. um and they need someone else to be there with them, like like a therapist. And they're not probably supposed to be doing things on their own until they get to the point with the therapist where they can, because that is the whole point of therapy. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of depends on the on the on the illness in question. Like where yeah. I, I used to live, like a lot more central, and near where I lived, I think there was a care home for people who were really really unwell um, with mental health stuff. And there was a lady I'd see all the time sitting on the pavement. Um, so I'd leave my house to go to the bus stop whatever and on the way to the bus stop I'd always see her and she always had a can of drink and sometimes she was very clearly hallucinating and talking to people who weren't there and sometimes she was very docile and harmless and actually very sweet you'd walk by her and she'd always say sort of like oh hello love um sometimes she'd say hello love and then introduce to a friend who wasn't there but I don't think people actually understand what it looks like to see someone who's really unwell and how it's not just you know 
sitting there and getting butterflies in your tummy. That's not that's not mental illness. It's actually a really serious thing and people really struggle and suffer and need a lot of support and a lot of help. And sometimes something like that where they actually can't look after themselves and they need to be somewhere like a care home with key workers looking after them. And and it was also really interesting and really sad to see the responses to her because I think I had a slightly different response being a therapist. So, you know, obviously I wasn't afraid of her and I'd, you know, seen people like that before. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'd always say hi back and walk by and stuff like like that but you'd see other people kind of shielding their children from her or kind of being rude to her or making fun of her or like that's what mental health stigma is not yeah. someone you know not this bullshit that we talk about on the internet that's real stigma and yeah, you know, when, yeah oh, go sorry, ahead go sorry on. no you go on I was just going to say, um, and that's probably one of my uh, downfalls too, is I always think about things in terms of anxiety, just because I feel like that's my main focus is that, um, but some people really do need help like their whole lives, like a schizophrenic person probably needs help for most of their life. I'm not actually sure. I don't, I don't know much about schizophrenia. Yeah, um, and, you know, some people and there's different, like it's on a bit of a spectrum. So someone might have schizophrenia, take medication and live, live a, um, an okay life, a happy life yeah. and, and manage and not need that kind of support or even depressions on a spectrum. Some people are really unwell and might go through periods where they actually do need a carer or they can't be left alone because they might really hurt themselves. Or people with panic um, disorder who, you know, like sometimes can get so paranoid about the world, they might never leave their houses. And like the, some of the, the the realities of what it actually is to live with a mental illness, it's not a joke. It's people who can't do basic things like you know, they can't manage their personal hygiene themselves or they they couldn't go to, you know, the shops and get their shopping and, and cook food for themselves and look after themselves in that way. It's not the worried well. That's what is on the internet. It's really unwell people who need very real, very real help and care. Yeah, and that's that's really the important uh, distinction that I wanted to make on this podcast. At least uh, I... I'm assuming uh, you guys probably think along the same lines, but it's just that we're not saying like for everyone, I'll just figure it out or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like some people really do need a lot of support and help from other people. And then, um, yeah, like I, I have, or I had terribly bad OCD for the past like two years. And that's torture. That's horrible. It's, It's so terrible. But like, I didn't know what it was and I really needed help and I got help and it helped tremendously. And mm-hmm. I got uh, ERP therapy, which is just exposing yourself to different things, whatever your fear is, obviously, you know, as a therapist. But I feel like even in terms of that, the point of therapy there was to get me to like this point where I'm at now, where now I, I shouldn't be placing myself as a victim anymore because I got help. I did mm-hmm. uh, I did things that I was supposed to do to make myself feel better so I could actually start uh, functioning in daily life. And, you know, it, obviously OCD ebbs and flows. You can have worse days than, other, than others, but uh, I definitely feel comfortable now at the point where, you know, I should actually be picking myself up and like figuring things out because I had help with someone else and at a point where I really needed it. I just wanted to make that important distinction on this podcast because we're not saying I don't think we're saying this at all and I don't want people to misinterpret us that for everyone I would just figure it out pick yourself up and 
you know, go out into the world and everything. But yeah, I don't know. It's probably just me just thinking too much about the listeners. But for someone who might misinterpret us or purposely yeah. misinterpret us, that's what I wanted to say. Well, I'm really sorry that you had OCD for two years. I can't imagine. Like, I think that is a living hell. Yeah. And it's really fantastic that you've gotten to the point where you are. So well done, because you would have done all the heavy lifting, um, even if you saw a therapist. And I don't think you, you need to think of yourself as not a victim or it's okay to have OCD and it's okay to like to know that like look uh, this is my personal cross to bear and this is the difficult thing that I live with but mostly I manage it really well and I'm going to go out there and tackle things that I really want to and you're right that's the that's the whole point of of going to therapy and you might need to go back every now and again or um you know I think sometimes therapy can be a seasonal thing where you you go and see someone and a few years later you're in a different phase of life and you might need to go back again. And so, yeah. And of course, we don't ever want to like disparage people with actual mental health difficulties, I think. But I think there's, there's, it's one of those things where there are finer points of nuance because there, there are people who are just, you know, wet wipes and they're just like whining and they do need to be told, stop it and get on with it. And there are people who actually are struggling and suffering who need a bit of a a helping hand up and maybe a bit more of like slightly better information than what's out there at the moment. And then people that are not okay and need help and support, professional help and support, not, you know, proper, not memes or people dancing and prancing and telling you what's wrong with you. Yeah, that's that's the best way to put it because I think most of life is just somewhere in the middle. It's it's yeah. never the binary of there are people that are extremely coddled and feel like they need support 24-7 or whatever. And then the other yeah. side is like, well, pick yourself up by the bootstraps and get going or whatever. Yeah. I think most of life is just all somewhere in the middle. Yeah. That's, you know, my yeah. whole rant. I think that's all I was trying to say. <laughs> but No, it's yeah. true. And I think it's a really important point to make. Yeah. Because I don't want people to be like uh, misinterpreting. We us. hate the mentally ill. Of like they, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like it's like it's so hard. It's like you have to mention that every time you're talking about this stuff. Because it's like that's actually the so irritating sometimes because it's like the straw manning is like through the roof. Like you have to mention every single caveat. And even then, someone's going to complain that you didn't mention something that's their exact personal situation. Um, And it's like, well, I'm a therapist. I've dedicated my life to this. Both of you are studying psychology and or therapy. I'm not sure exactly what. But you're you're hoping to go out and help people. So clearly, none of us have, you know, some kind of animus against people who are unwell. (laughs) You want to help them. This is why this whole issue is so emotionally charged for us, I think, probably. Exactly. Yeah. Do you get do you get um, straw manned a lot? Like, what are the Every things? People, time. Yeah. What do people say <laughs> about you? Oh, they hate me. I've got like people that absolutely hate my guts. So, been canceled a few times now. Um, what do you mean? What do you mean canceled? Canceled doesn't publicly shamed. Complaints were made to my regulatory board. Oh I lost gosh. income. Jeez. Um, I was harassed for about eight months straight every day. Thousands of like messages will come through on every single app and in my email. So there's no escape from it. So yeah, it was it was really bad, really really bad actually. That's insane. Um, yeah, and so that was more the woke therapists who just absolutely hate my guts. But then the new ag ones don't like me. <laughs> 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 and, um, it's ugh, the the most common straw man I get is kind of oh you're a mean person who doesn't have empathy, and I think that's often like. Well, we obviously, we've seen that uh, throughout this whole podcast, so they're probably right. (laughs) Thank you. First the tiger and then this. (laughs) 
or like they'll I think I've, I didn't realize before I started posting things online how poor reading comprehension is and I'm not even making a joke I'm completely serious like people have such poor reading comprehension it's shocking like you can be I try to be quite precise with my language mm -hmm. I'm a little bit aspy so I'm fairly direct and um and people kind of like it's like they're, atta they're attacking something you haven't said or they'll say you've said this thing and I'll be like well this modifying word is is what kind of is the clue that I'm not saying what you think I'm saying mm -hmm. they'll just ignore it or saying your childhood is over like I think that post people got very very angry at is that well my childhood is not over I was like, well, for 30 <laughs> it's over you know they get really cross with me every single day so I think now when I go back to posting I might leave my comments off for a while because I just I don't yeah. want, want to deal with the noise I just don't want to deal with it do you think they have like don't you think they have like pre-held beliefs and opinions and ideas so then when they read yours regardless of what you're saying they're not going to budge yeah and i think um the people who get the most angry with me probably the coddled they get really really angry but then there are people who recognize maybe they've been coddled a little bit and they don't want to be and they're really receptive and open and unfortunately mm -hmm. the people who hate you are always a lot louder than the people who like what yeah. you're saying so that's really unfortunate because i want to be i want to be able to to engage a bit more with the people who actually are open and receptive, but you can't. Mm -hmm. I've forgotten the original question. I start with why were you cancelled and then what or why what was what was the canceling like? And then I asked like the types of straw men that you've gotten. Oh yeah. Just just people get so upset. Or when I said inner child work isn't a therapeutic modality, but really <laughs> angry at that. Like the rage, even from therapists, they were absolutely enraged. Like the DMs were were filling up fast the commentary i think the overarching message people get and it's not just on instagram it's media it's um television shows it's things that it's everywhere is that you know it's like pathos culture like your emotions are more important than anything else and like you said mental health is trending and get told you know things like you're a cycle breaker aren't you fantastic and i Again, that's something I find so arrogant. It's like you think in your entire lineage, however many generations going back, you're the first person who's introspected. Like, do you really think that? Like, it's it's funny because like I've had those types of thoughts. Like, oh, I got to break the cycle. Like, I, but like, yeah, you're, maybe you're right. <laughs> you know, and then they come across my page, which is saying the opposite, which is like, no, your childhood is over. Instead of saying to them, your inner child, you need to hug it and cuddle it all day. And, you know, think about your childhood and your very bad parents. So they got very upset with the inner child post and they got very upset with me saying, you know, this, this pop psychology trend of like blaming everything on parents, even ones who haven't done anything egregious, just like, mm -hmm. and I think the pressure that this puts on parents now is really, really unfair, really unfair. And it's creating another, more anxieties actually, because now that you have parents DM me and say, am I traumatizing my child? It's like, no, you're not, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like going back to the point of like encouraging rumination, mm -hmm. there could have been like, say, for example, like my parents are divorced. There could have been something that happened there that um, is actually not affecting me right now. But mm -hmm. I'm sure if I think about it enough, I can find something that will be a problem for me. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, yeah, no, really ins inspect like what happened there. What, yeah. what happened when you were five, when your Healed mom left? It. Like, yeah, yeah. like I'm sure if I think about anything. Yeah, exactly. If you think about anything enough and pathologize each and every little emotion, 
you're going to find things yeah. that like you're you're going to be anxious about or something or you know it's going to be a problem for you so. it's like picking at a wound it's never going to get better so yeah. if you spend all your time picking at it i literally just read that exact quote like this mm -hmm. morning i think it's a, it's so true yeah where did yeah. you read it i so think i, I saw it on i saw it on twitter from Paolo, the author of the um the, the alchemist. alchemist yeah yeah oh, okay i'll check him out i follow um i follow an account that just like posts his quotes okay that, that's one of my favorite books and i was like that's so that's such a good way to put it if you want yeah. something to heal you just can't keep scratching at it <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no and i think it encourages that and it encourages people to it's not encouraging you to look forward or to build anything or to build on your internal resources mm -hmm. it's encouraging you to fixate on everything that has it's like wound collecting you know mm -hmm. fixate on everything that's wounded you be a wound collector and then of course, you're going to then feel hard done by by the world and think and then become resentful and angry and, and shout at me on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like doesn't make it doesn't make it any better when there's posts on Instagram that are like, these are things only people with anxiety will understand. It's just more things to add to your list. If you're like identifying with anxiety and labeling yourself yeah. as an anxious person, that to me yeah. is like wound picking like, oh, yeah, now that thing is uh, has the attachment of anxiety onto it. Now that thing does, too. And now start viewing it like in that way which yeah. is so unhealthy like you don't the the whole point of like what i was talking about i guess earlier with my ocd therapy is like erp was the the big step to like get over like fears and then what what you want to do after is like view life more in like an act framework of like mm -hmm. uh, acceptance and commitment therapy and like i don't want to view things as exposures anymore like that fucking mm -hmm. sucks like i want to just like live life that's the whole yeah. point of therapy at least you know in terms again of like ocd CD or whatever about yeah. I remember um when I was in college it was it was like my sophomore year and I was going through like I wasn't doing I really wasn't doing my best and like mentally and there was something I was always ruminating over something from my past it was like I don't want to get into too much detail but just some situation from my past that I just could never let go I would constantly think about it I'd literally stay up at night like stay up to 3 a.m just thinking about it and like Tor tormenting myself mm -hmm. over it. And I remember there was like, there was this one day I was literally taking a shower and I was thinking about it again. And I just had this thought that I just have to let it go. It was like, you just have to like forgive yourself for the past and let it go. And it sounds, it sounds so simple, but it really like from that moment on, I really did just let it go. And it felt like my life took off after that. And I was able to just finally move forward. It wasn't like Wonderful. I was, yeah, by ruminating, it's like you keep picking at it and you're not making it better and you're just keeping yourself in this cycle. But if you can just find a way to let it go, so to speak, it really will open up all these opportunities and a new way of seeing the world that wasn't there before. I think that's people's roots to that are different, aren't they? So for your personality and for your, you know, you're very psychologically minded, it's quite obvious and you have a lot of knowledge about this. So I imagine you would have sort of conceptualized different things. You'd have thought about it from different angles and you got, got to the let it go place. Some people need a little bit of talk therapy to get there. Some mm -hmm. people need, you know, and not everybody talk therapy doesn't suit everyone. Like, mm -hmm. like, you know, just if you think in terms of like biological sex differences, a lot of men don't want to talk about their feelings and it's not the, th it's not the thing. It's like, maybe they need something else like some some kind of healthy way to release um aggression like combat sports or something like that like the route for that is different for everybody but the point is that you want to find a way to deal with the thing don't avoid it don't ignore it don't try and force it to go away while not ruminating and wound picking mm -hmm. um and i think that's something insta insta therapy does really fucking badly because 
what it presents as processing is actually wound picking and rumination. It doesn't encourage, it doesn't encourage, like it talks about healing all fucking day, ad nauseum, everything, mm-hmm. healing, healing, healing. But it's about creating a lifestyle, which is basically to, if you have somebody who's healing all forever for their whole life, well, then you have a customer for life, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> and you have a follower for life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking maybe we could talk a little bit about, although I'm sure we all agree that the cons far outweigh the benefits of Instagram therapy, but maybe because like something you just said there about uh, some men not willing or, you know, able to speak up about how they're actually feeling. Mm -hmm. There'll be like Instagram therapy posts about that, which is one of the most frustrating parts because in these posts, there are bits of like truth uh, Mm -hmm. to like how anxiety works or how depression works. But to me still... It's much more detrimental for the like the various reasons we discussed. But if there are any benefits though, or maybe how could they change? Well, I don't I don't know if they'll change or whatever, but what are the possible benefits that with the things that they're posting now, if there are any? Well, I think there's actually a line at the end of my article is that I think the 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 few benefits not outweighed in the or, or are completely outweighed by the concerns. And I don't think we've even quite seen the consequences of those concerns yet. I think we're just starting to. But in terms of positives, there are some people who, I guess, do psychoeducation, like actual psychoeducation, few and far between, but there are those. There are some mental health advocates that talk about their experiences in a way that might actually combat stigma. Because it's it's so difficult. It's so difficult to say because it's so oversaturated with just really, really bad ideas. So, you know, trying to like pull out a few positives from that. I suppose a positive is better than not talking about mental health at all, I guess. But I'm not sure it's much better because mm-hmm. the way we're talking about it is pretty, um, it's like so everything bad. We've, yeah, everything <laughs> we've talked about here. So yeah. I guess that's one thing. What do you think? Oh, man, I don't know. I, I guess I would agree with that too, because at least... There's an awareness around mental health, but the awareness aspect is almost killing. <laughs> it's a hyper-awareness, isn't it? It's not just yeah, it's like hyper-awareness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's probably the best way to put it. It's like these problems would exist regardless if we talked about them or not, or if these accounts mm-hmm. talked about them or not. But now it's like they're finding problems where they don't really exist and they're creating ghosts that you're yeah. looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are like, so someone like my friend, Laura, actual psychology, I think pages like that are cool. And there are a few, there are a few people, sensible therapists starting to speak up. And there are a few of them now. Um, those are positives. And there are some people who who don't talk about therapy really, but I suppose they kind of encapsulate what their approach is in therapy and kind of make posts to do with that. And they do that quite well. But they are very much the minority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just goes back to like all all the real data and the, like the descriptions about what actually is going on in terms of like mental health is just boring and it just wouldn't make for good content on Instagram, I think. Yeah. People get caught with, um, I think it's the algorithm that incentivizes really unethical behavior. I, the algorithm punishes people who say anything that's actually useful because mm-hmm. it's not popular and the algorithm's informed by consumer behavior. So what actually gets rewarded is pop psychology, you know, like just these really bad ideas. That's what's rewarded. That's what people want to talk about. And so the algorithm rewards that that kind of stuff. And then there are people that 
they just start talking in in that clickbaity sort of pop psychology way or there are a lot of people who just they just copy the trends whatever's trendy at that moment is what they're posting mm-hmm. um i've noticed a lot of big pages their entire content strategy is to look at other people's posts and just lift whatever's performing well for them and present it like their own idea so i think the positives is they're very clean because social the platform is set up for negative behavior bad behavior yeah every time i start to think of something positive that they're doing they're also mm. doing it in a way that's like bad i don't know mm. like another example was just something that you were saying is there's a big account posting about gaslighting mm. and just a quick search on google trends about the yeah. word gaslighting is showing that the word is trending so high at that one point that they posted it at it's like that's like wow. that's all that they're looking to do is yeah. just catch these waves they're not like that to me is like you know are they really trying are do they really want people to get better or no. are they just like doing this to grow their accounts no. sell things um, i think for a lot of people it's an exercise in vanity but yeah. presented as altruism or it's like there's just you know how hollywood attracts a disproportionate amount of narcissists mm-hmm. i think the same thing happens on social media i'm, I'm going i'm going to write i started working on an article about this already but i think there are a lot of people who are just it's like narcissistic supply and mm. they get that from their audiences and things like that you know like gaslighting is trending so they're going to talk about it i mean what does that tell you about that person and, and their motivations it's not anything good is it no I, yeah same yeah same can be said for like boundaries there was like one week where boundaries was very big on twitter and very big on instagram and then yeah. all these instagram therapists kind of started talking about boundaries it's like oh you wonder why yeah and yeah. it's like it's just because they're catching that trend well it yeah. operates like a hive mind um it's really interesting there are a few people who actually bring in original ideas and everybody else copies them yeah um and it's it just it works as a hive mind that is is it's kind of like the bog and they just kind of recycle the same the same few sort of talking points or ideas or pop psychology constructs and just do it in different iterations and what i find really weird is that um they'll plagiarize you even when what you're saying is completely antagonistic to their <laughs> to what their <laughs> their ideas they'll do that a lot there are a few people who have something to say and they're there to say it and then the the majority of people who just copy the people who have something to say i wanted to um just say this too because you'll probably think it's really funny is that uh one of the accounts we reviewed uh dlc anxiety um this must have been in a couple months ago because i made a video about it that i i ended up deleting anyways but their one of their posts was here's five vitamins that will help your anxiety um <laughs> which you know whatever maybe vitamins do something for people maybe they don't me personally they don't do absolute shit <laughs> um but their post was like five items that help anxiety and they had um bunch of different vitamins c d e and then at the end they put like zinc or whatever their next post like either a day or two days later was seven things that won't help your anxiety and number two was vitamins <laughs> and it's like what are you people doing like that just makes me see like they just don't care at that point that's like no. blatant proof to me that they don't care or they're, they're posting their posts like from that. somewhere else aren't they yeah mm-hmm. if, and he because... deleted that post because i don't know maybe he realized and what then he the... made this same post five like a month later just to separate them out in his feed so that's so sad is this an actual therapist uh he's like trained 
I think when we reviewed him, he was like studying CBT. Do you remember Joey? Mm. I don't think he's an actual therapist. I don't think so either. I think he took like a course on CBT. Yeah. Okay. But I couldn't believe that post. Like I, I was just tired. like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's too it much. Like, it's everywhere. The account is like a community, right, Liam? Yeah. So yeah, like he commu- takes posts from other accounts that are probably doing well, like those posts oh. and just post them on his account. But okay. like, uh, yeah. With their permission. Yeah, with their permission, probably, I'm assuming, but... Okay. Yeah, the world of Instagram therapy. I won't therapy. check him out. <laughs> <laughs> no. what, what about anxiety, Josh? What's going on with uh, him? I'm yeah. going to bring him up. <laughs> I, could, I could tell from last time you all guys are not fans. Well, just the name, like, anxiety, anxiety Josh makes me laugh. And so, I... Yeah, okay, yeah. Maybe you no, can go. go. I, I, I was going to say that... You know, I don't, I just don't understand because I listened to the podcast that you had with him and you Mm -hmm. guys were agreeing on a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but then his content on Instagram still uh, is talking about, you know, things I would, I would think would be easy for people to self-diagnose themselves from like seven Mm -hmm. signs of anxiety, but his content has changed a little bit when I looked it over when we were uh, looking at your account Mm. and that might be you know you might be part of the reason for that but i don't know we're just we're just curious about him and his content i guess i have no thoughts other than (laughs) so he's he's a friend of mine and he's a really good he genuinely is a good guy i'll be honest i've muted most insta therapy pages because when i look at them in my feed they just raise my blood pressure and i just get really low (laughs) angry yeah i don't love all his content but I don't expect anyone loves all my content either. I like some of his content. But I think there's also, I think this is something you guys talked about in the podcast, which is something that's worth discussing, is that um, I do follow some Insta therapy pages. And like Josh is a friend of mine. And I think he's, okay, something I love about him is partly that like he's not American because Insta therapy is absolutely dominated by (laughs) Americans. (laughs) So it's nice to have someone that's actually not American. That's one thing. And who has, you know, understands the context I'm coming from. And he's just a cheeky chappy and he writes these really hilarious, <laughs> extremely rude things on my posts. Oh my and gosh. they just make me laugh as opposed to people who are like, oh my God, this has like totally changed the paradigm of my thing. And like, you know, there's just things that don't like, you don't know what, why with like a heart and like a, the two hearts or whatever and like a glitter thingy. I don't, I don't speak their language. I speak the, the language Josh is speaking and I really like it. So that's one thing. And I don't know. I just, I don't think the way to conduct yourself is to like, one, I can separate the persons, like the art from the artist, the, the, post from the person in enough at least to like treat them with politeness and civility and respect Mm -hmm. and I think that's really really important I don't think I'd have a leg to stand on to make any of these criticisms if I was horrible to people I don't I just and that again goes into stuff about like opposing cancel culture and I think it's important to be that way because a lot of these people aren't like that you know like they unfollow me all the time or they send me dms telling me off and saying why you know, we don't agree someone following you and i think i just i don't want to be that person mm-hmm. yeah I, I meant to say that in the one thing that i said in that podcast i think was like oh i don't understand why she talks to him or something which i think was silly of me to say I, like i didn't um, No, it's fair i think it's a fair question to ask yeah but i i think like you said too though i'd rather a world where people are just able to talk to each other instead of be like oh you have a different opinion than me i don't want to talk to you and i hate Um, it like the whole yeah like on twitter i talk a lot more about the culture war i really hate the fact that what now now we need everyone to agree with us is that what we're doing now like i really dislike that and kind of the this kind of tribalism 
and you know browbeating people or bullying people into agreeing mm-hmm. with you i just don't like uh, i used to call myself politically first i was i was anti woke then i thought no i'm not styling myself by what i'm against then yeah. it was kind of politically homeless and then i thought actually i don't want a tribe so not now i just want to be a normal person that's <laughs> not woke but not anything else either and just i don't want to be in your tribe and i where i have to like repeat your ideas and hate the people you hate and it's the same kind of philosophy that extends to insta therapy like you have every right to say what you say and i have every right to say what i say even if i think your ideas are complete utter garbage mm-hmm. um you have the right to say them and it's it's i don't know slightly this is the part of slightly trying to be the thing that i wish everyone was as and i don't always do it well as opposed to just pointing out what's wrong with everything mm-hmm. with the um with the culture war stuff like on twitter mm-hmm. i used to always read the comments mm-hmm. and just see people complain and call everything this and that like you're a racist or you're this or you're that and now i just ignore it i just can't i just yeah. don't even read it anymore yeah, it's so much better to not yeah. read i know yeah. The um, I wanted to say, too, that um, I think uh, one of the biggest problems with labeling like yourself as uh, anxious or depressed is that um, you hold that as part of your identity. And then when someone says that something needs to be done about that part of your identity, which is anxiety, like you would hope to get over anxiety, that they take it as something like, oh, wait, I don't know if I want to do that or something, even if it's detrimental to them. I think also that a lot of people are doing that with ideas, is that they're grabbing ideas as part of their identity when it should just be this, you know, idea that you that you have. It shouldn't be something that you put on as part as as part of yourself. So then when people disagree, I think that's where a lot of the reaction comes from. Is that uh it's part of them. Like, oh that's that's my idea. I hold that. And that's what's something I read in um, Adam Grant's book, Think Again, because I, I don't I don't consider myself as part of any political party. I just think like maybe it sounds like naive or something, but whatever the best idea is, let's just yeah. keep going with the best idea. Why do we have to attach ideas onto political parties and everything? And, you know, you shouldn't attach it ideas onto yourself. We should just be able to talk about what, you know, what's the best thing to do for you kind of just nailed you just named exactly the overarching social problem is that people fuse ideas with their identity mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's why when you criticize the idea they take it as a personal attack and can't go for your throat and you've got that across the board like it's all these people who fused an idea with their identity and then they form a group and i think jonathan Haidt puts it as you know tribe being you know tribalism and forming these groups they bind and they blind and i think that's exactly what happens and then you just you, it's like you know we've come full circle we're back to warring tribes except now it's virtual yeah what is that like if if, if a normal person identify like says they have anxiety or if you point out to someone that things and like a political person if you point out that things aren't as bad as they seem Mm. and here's reasons why but they get so defensive and they say no it actually is this bad no like i can't fix my anxiety like what do you like they get personally offended that things can be better or that things actually are better than they are they don't like what is that i think it's two different things i think with the on the anxiety side of things i've had this with a few people in my practice where people have said i'm scared to get well because i don't know who i'm going to be and you know, things like the positive attention they get 
they're really frightened of losing that and it's not because mm-hmm. they're attention seeking or they just don't know any other way to to have some kind of human connection meaningful connection they think they won't have it um and i think with the political side of things i think and i've fallen into this exact trap when i was you know considered myself more anti woke and that was my whole thing is that you get so blinded sometimes by the thing that you're against that um it's really difficult to be objective and i think for some people they they need something to be against they need something to crusade against just give them like a purpose yeah a purpose a community it's really there's there's a lot that could be said about this it could be its, its own whole podcast almost yeah, we're going to have to do a mini series <laughs> i know yeah i know we actually are going to have to i know the two things i want to say like number one i feel like there's a meaning crisis at least in mm. america at least in the states people we've been told the story from the day we're born, go to school, go to college, get a job, work the nine to five. And that story hasn't fit a lot of people. So there's a lack of, we've also lost religion. You're right. Like this could go on, this topic could go on forever, (laughs) but there's a lack of, I think people really struggle with fulfillment and with meaning and purpose in their life. And whatever, whatever it is, if it's the politics, if it's these mental health issues, whatever it is, these things can give them a sense of purpose a sense of belonging and community sense of community it's like the positive aspects of religion do that don't they they give you they give you kind of a code of how to live your life so you get like you get the moral code from that and you get um the sense of community you get some kind of higher purpose to believe in which like we know from the blue zones in the world that's actually quite important for people like it's really good for you and important to have something that that you believe in that's bigger than yourself Mm -hmm. and you kind of um the positive aspects of religion which we don't have in these other sort of like you know substitute religions is mercy redemption that kind of depth of meaning forgiveness we don't have that do we so if we look at wokeness as a religion there's no sense of redemption there or mercy or forgiveness again with like the other side the it's it's really difficult because it's sort of like it's it's these two mirror images fighting each other not seeing that they are exactly what they're fighting and everyone in (laughs) the middle suffers yeah that's a good way to put it yeah I i just hate the whole the whole binary yeah of like political parties and like different sides and you have to pick one or the other either with me or against me yeah i, I hate yeah. that it's just and it's, it's fucking boring now like have we, have we yeah. not done this enough it's boring <laughs> yeah it, it, is, it boring. is yeah that's why i was saying before like i just don't read the comments anymore like no. i just roll my eyes now because it's boring like like we've all we been called every every single name on you're racist and you're this and you're that no, I'm not actually. And I'm like tired of being like, you should fuck off, please. <laughs> I'm just really like had enough of this. And it's like bordering on two years now that we've all been dealing, you know, because it all went off on steroids and since we've all stuck in lockdowns and online. Yeah. And it is just boring now. Constant fighting, constant division, constant like ratcheting up concerns to the most, like the most farcical end they could possibly go. Yeah. I, I don't know what the fucking hell we think we're doing but uh-huh. collectively it's-, it's it's boring and it's i love i love what ian's doing with the power of self-care like if you can just point out how ridiculous it is like using yeah. humor, using humor and satire you realize yeah. how ridiculous all this is 
It Mediums it. can say things the rest of us can't, can't yeah. say. Yeah. And he it's does it really so well. He's he must be really clever actually, because he he makes them look like there's there's some deniability there, isn't there? Like you, yeah. you aren't always quite sure. Like, is this person serious or not? <laughs> yeah. And then he changes the words just enough that like if you work out what's going on, you can it's very good satire. It's exactly what satire should be. It's really mm-hmm. well done. Mm-hmm. I, I loved his post, uh, I think it was yesterday or two days ago that I shared that mm-hmm. uh pretty much every instagram therapy account uh does this but they never say the last part because it was like you're he was like you're doing your best like i'm so proud of you i actually don't know any of you <laughs> <laughs> i put that in my i put that exact thing in my article that exact phenomenon of how like disingenuous just disingenuous it is to like tell people constantly like you're doing your best sweetie and like you don't know any of the sweeties do you like <laughs> yeah no like, to, and they'll to, they'll say the oh go ahead sorry it's like telling twenty thousand or forty thousand or a hundred thousand people like it's not your fault and you're doing your best and you're just like you're wonderful and I love you like and right, then, then they say all those things and then you see in their bio no DMs please please mm. no DMs like they yeah. don't want to talk to any of them yeah and uh, <laughs> it's like super ironic <laughs> actually yeah. <laughs> like the worst part it's like um yeah here's your um you probably have anxiety disorder or whatever but you're doing great and by the way don't talk to me yeah (laughs) (laughs) true so yeah i wanted to talk about your i wanted to talk about your article i don't know we're bordering on two hours here yeah Yeah, i didn't realize how long (laughs) first of all i thought it was very well written i didn't get i didn't get to the whole end Mm -hmm. but everything i read i really enjoyed Something I wanted to talk about. Number one, I know Liam wanted to talk about what was it, parasocial relationships? Yeah. I think we could talk about yeah. that because that's really interesting. It's kind of what we were, yeah, it's perfect. And the other thing I wanted to talk about was you talked about how these accounts claim there's a mental health crisis going on and that's why they're doing all of this. But I think you said, like, if anything, they're just contributing to it and making yeah. it much worse. Yeah, I think so. If there's a mental health crisis, well, they've just like given that mental health crisis steroids. Mm-hmm. with this you know but yeah the parasocial relationship thing is really like interesting to me because you, we didn't have this before did we you'd have it with like your favorite you know musician singer whoever think you know them but with a therapist it's like there's something uh, there's some dynamics that they really need like looking at because a relationship with a therapeutic relationship is a very specific kind of relationship and generally you wouldn't have contact with a therapist outside of that and now you're having these parasocial relationships with people who are kind of encouraging you to think that they really love you and care about you but they don't even know your name um so it's sort of like some facsimile of the therapeutic relationship on social media in in public and at this scale like i don't like i don't even know how many instagram therapists there are but I imagine like well in the, you know, multiple thousands easily. So yeah, I just like, that's, it just, it feels, I've used this word before, but it feels very like dystopian. And I think you just explained it, but could you explain again, like what a parasocial relationship is? It's a one-sided relationship that you have with someone who doesn't know how you, that you exist. No, not like, not like you're a stalker, but like (laughs) um, a a media personality. So like an actor, musician, author, journalist, somebody who doesn't, who's in, in the media in some way. And so all your interaction with them is through media. You know, they might actually mean something quite important to you. Like you might read a book and it changes your life. But that author doesn't know who you are. They've never, they don't know your name or the same with like 
actors or TV shows you love and you might feel like you watch this TV show and it's cozy and nostalgic and you've been watching it for 10 years and mm. but no one in that show knows anything about you or is aware of your existence and now we're having this with influencers and with influencers it's a bit more of a gray zone because there's minor interaction isn't there some people do dm some people do comments or in stories and lives and some so there's it's kind of you know now that that anyone like social media exists and fame is available to anybody who wants it you have kind of the lay person famous person in in a sense and you have all these therapists online encouraging like not all of them do and be really, you know be fair to them a lot of them are actually quite careful and do not encourage parasocial relationships but a lot of them do mm-hmm. and it just feels very wrong maybe is it like <laughs> is it like predatory or is that the wrong word it might it might be it might be um because some of them go to great pains to make their following feel like they know them they really do yeah they share so much personal stuff and show them their entire lives and you know talk to people in a very sort of like intimate one like you can you you go through their page and you really get that sense they go to great pains to make you feel like you know them and what's the what's the end goal sales the end goal yeah yeah sales (laughs) yeah because it's just like like you said it's so radically different than psychotherapy yeah like these people psychotherapy is so intimate and you the therapist and private yeah and yeah like the therapist knows so much uh after some time about the person they're talking to and these accounts know absolutely nothing about 99 percent of their followers and if you think about that in terms of therapy like therapy is entirely about the client it's not mm-hmm. about you insta therapy you don't even know who the fuck the, cl- the, the client is right so mm-hmm. and and then it's marketed as and i know when a, a rebuttal to my article probably be well it's not actually we know it's not therapy stop marketing it as therapy then and stop kind of um you know selling people fantastical products that are going to heal their trauma magically yeah one thing I have decided actually is I'm shutting down my membership because I just like it just feels too close to this stuff that I hate. And it's kind of it'll be a bit of a hit financially, but I don't know, maybe Substack will make up for it. We'll see. But um e- even if you put because Insta Therapy has broken so many brains, even if you put disclaimers everywhere, people still expect some facsimile of therapy and I can't give it to them. And it's really, yeah. It, what's being done to people is is it's like a social experiment really yeah uh, i also i give you huge props for uh even thinking about that in terms of your membership uh because that's got to be i don't know it is hard to take like some part of your income away because of something that you think is uh you know better to do because how other people are utilizing yeah um i'd rather I'd, i just think feel like substack feels more ethical and more sort of like more right for me in a way because there it's really low cost and you can subscribe or not subscribe i'm not making you any promises i don't know it's just it's it's a completely different story to hear a bunch of courses and this course is meant to you know help like again even with all the disclaimers even with um constantly hammering it in that it's not therapy and if you are struggling please go to therapy Mm -hmm. it's 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 difficult to get that message across. It's quite hard. Like the, the best way to put it, I think, is like, I made a video about this, but I deleted it because I just mm. like deleted so much of my Instagram content, to be honest. But that they, it's like showing you a picture of like a purple elephant. And, yeah. then, and then they're like, oh, here's a purple elephant. And then at the end, they're like, but don't think about that. 
And yeah. it's like the same exact thing where I had this account block me because I was talking whatever to it about all these things. But one of the, my biggest uh, concerns was that she was making posts that were like seven signs you might have anxiety disorder or whatever. And then at the end of her description, it would say, but please note that this is not, you know, Instagram isn't therapy. How is someone going to think that when they yeah. first see the seven signs and then they go through the description and be like, oh, I guess I, I just like won't think about that now. Yeah. Uh, very easy. So yeah, <laughs> it's, um, it is, it is too easy. It's way too easy. And yeah. I think like, I'm going to do an article on this probably, but it's going to be like the things I learned from being an influencer. And one <laughs> of them is going to be that like, I don't want to be an influencer. I don't want to influence <laughs> fucking anybody. And, you know, like I want to share my ideas and if you engage with them, great. And if you don't, don't, then I don't care. Like, and you know, Insta fame is horrible enough. I can't even imagine what actually being famous, what a torture fucking nightmare situation <laughs> that must be where people are like staring at you all the time. I can't even imagine. Yeah. But yeah, it's been an interesting couple of years. It sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like that's a good way to wrap things up. Yeah. yeah. Probably yeah. right. Yeah, tell me about your account and everything. Oh, um, my account is my name, Sirat K Chavla, which none of you are going to be able to spell. So hopefully, you can put it in your description. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the same on Twitter and on Instagram, and I'm on Substack, which I'll stick in the links of my bios, which has just started. So that's where you can find me. Oh yeah, and I have a website too. Also, my name, Sirat K Chavla yeah okay well yeah thank you so much for coming <laughs> that, was, that was way too scripted <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for having me it was really lovely to talk to you guys and yeah, when i first saw that i was like tagged in something reviewing my account i was like oh for <laughs> fuck's sake what now like who's a like, cross with me now and then i very reluctantly put in my headphones to have a listen and i was like oh this is actually nice <laughs> yeah that's good to hear it was really um, yeah, it was really nice sweet. to hear you hold the lowest score so um you know right now you're like the ideal instagram therapy whatever you want i don't know i think account. if you reviewed laura i feel like she'd get a lower score than me yeah she might she has she like might. a really exceptional account yeah um yeah i think the lowest score what what is it a 10 because that's one yeah yeah one yeah yeah Yeah. so i mean 14 that's really low so and i'm um, removing the thing i'm selling soon so that'll probably make my score even yeah well yeah bring you down like another point (laughs) or two (laughs) i do i always defend it i'm like people deserve to to eat you know like they deserve some (laughs) i think yeah i think that's something that's quite important not all selling just in itself isn't bad it's like but you can you know everyone does deserve to make an income and to be paid properly but there's you know like you can sell um something that actually helps people in an ethical and fair way where it's like a fair exchange mm-hmm. or you can just gouge people and sell them shite and that's not are, right. are you saying sweatshirts don't help people or i'm saying i mean i guess they keep you warm oh, but you sorry i'm so cynical a mental health sweatshirt i'm not that's not that's not helping your mental health so it's, it's <laughs> false advertising yeah isn't it yeah it is. that's how i look at it too but yeah uh, thank you everyone for listening if you made it this far and um <laughs> we'll see you next time 
Oh my goodness, friends, I think my fingers are not going to be able to function for a couple days after editing this episode. It took forever. But one thing I just wanted to close with that C-Rut said at the end, right before we actually left the call, and it's about criticism, and I think she makes such a good point about it, and maybe it just makes me feel better about what we're doing on the podcast, but I also do really think it's very true, what she said, and I also think that that's why it's so important that we do criticize these accounts and their ideas but really just the accounts being the ideas because that's what is being published there. But yeah, I just wanted to play this last clip from Sirut, and again, which this clip is about criticism, and I really like what she said. Actually, I think criticism is really important. Um, It depends how you do the criticism. So you don't don't want to criticize by throwing people under the bus or attacking an individual or being horrible to them. But I think unless you can actually, one thing criticism does is like it progresses ideas. If you can criticize an idea properly and identify what's wrong with something, you can start to make changes, make shifts, and you kind of have to go through the process of naming what's wrong before you can move to solutions. I don't. I think criticism gets a really bad rap or critique rather than maybe criticism. But yeah, I think it's actually a really important thing. I don't want you to tell us what you do. I want you to tell us who you are. I'll explain. And I'll use small words so that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. It's on our six-speaker city. I'm worth three and a half million dollars that the government knows about. I got more electronics up there than a damn kiss concert. I think you're bluffing. It's possible, pig. I might be bluffing. One of the wettest we've ever seen from the standpoint of water. My enemy is an animal. And in order to conquer me, I have to think like an animal. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. That may be the first time in my life a man has dared insult me. It won't be the last. Pick up that piece of trash, huh? Tuck in your shirt! What are you doing? Have a sense of pride, huh? Who the fuck is that guy? Why are you the way that you are? Honestly, every time I try to do something fun or exciting, you make it not. I hate so much. Pain. Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. <laughs>